Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball. If you're new to the channel, don't forget to like and subscribe. We're going through the Premier League game that we've just witnessed. As you can see by the smile on Trav's face. Beaming. Fulham, Fulham one, <laughs> Manchester United two. I'd written a script, <laughs> a script to slag Man United off in their rebuild and their midfield, and to say that McTominay is your best midfielder and he's the one that you want out. And it literally, I've ripped it all up and threw it in the oh, bin. Hey. Absolute I devastation. Did I say two one or one nil? Um, two one, you know. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. We'll have to search through the archives. How are you feeling? I can obviously tell by your face. You're absolutely boiling, mate. I can't stop smiling because it was a must win. So, oh, Garnacho, I said the kid was special, man. I've been saying it all pre-season. You go through my tweets. I've been saying it. This kid needs minutes in the league. And he's finally starting to get those minutes now. Um, and, no, honestly, it was an unbelievable way to win the game. Stoppage time kills the game off. But I'm sure we'll go into it. We had a lot of chances. In, in beforehand, before Fulham even equalised to put the game to bed. Um, it shows today. If there was ever a game that showed we need a centre-forward, it was today, do you know what I mean, with the amount of chances that we missed. But, no, to get it in Fergie time, mate, just made it that extra bit sweeter. Um, but Fulham had chances as well, didn't they? They did, I yeah. I thought this is going to be a bit of a, a smash and grab mm. um, for Fulham. But, but the, Fulham the more the game was, yeah, the more the game was yeah. going on, I thought, yeah. it's not going to be a smash and grab. It's going to be a bit like the West Ham game. I thought, are they going to get what they deserve? West Ham didn't, and you've seen the game out. Um, but then Fulham mm -hmm. got the equaliser, and they could have had uh, another couple. So it was, it was yeah. a bit end-to-end. -end. Like I say, it was, all, it was all set up for me to slag Man United off. And now, like I said, it's all in the bin. So Yeah. You could tell, you can tell, like, the World Cup's coming at a good time. Forget the injuries. We just look leggy, man. Like... Towards the back end of games, 60 minutes onwards, we look like we're running through Marmite, honestly. It's just, on. we look so heavy-legged. And we are stretched up top. Um, not an excuse again, but we are. Like, Martial's come back, he only lasted 67 minutes today, you could see. You can see the difference he actually makes in terms of our build-up play and the way he links up. And he should have got a goal today. But, um, no, it, it's, it's massive that we need a reinforcement up. As up front next season, we massively need a striker. It's so important to us going forward. But it's another game chalked off, another tough away day. You know yourself, you drop points at Fulham, so it, it's not <laughs> it's not easy to go there and get the three. But um, I'm just relieved more than anything. I mean, it would it's have got been... to be relief, hasn't it? With yeah. a ninety third minute winner, relief yeah. has got to be the word. Mm. We could easily have dropped points today. I said that like. I know we went 1-0 up and we should have put the game to bed, but after the equalisers, like you said, Fulham were really in the ascendancy. They could have got a couple of goals themselves. De Gea had to make a couple of good saves. But and we and we had we we've got a makeshift back four now. Like Malassia's left footed playing right back. We've got Lindelof in there, who's not um who's cover for Varane, who looked shaky at times again. Um really did. He's very easy to get at physically. And I thought De Gea on some of his crosses as well, like he wasn't very commanding. He's made a couple of good saves, but he wasn't really commanding his box, um, which which unnerved everybody a little bit. But again, like I said, I think Garnacho sort of changed the game and gave us a little bit of a lease of life. We were going a little bit flat with about 15 minutes to go. 
But when he came on, he certainly changed the game. I'm, I'm so happy for him as well because... He's getting a quite... bit of negative press, isn't he? What's this all about? Like, bad attitude? What? Yeah, like, I think he turned up late in pre-season for one of the training sessions or a couple of the training sessions. So Ten Hag's had to fire into him a little bit. But you can see how talented he is. I've been saying, like, you don't be in Argentina's first team if you're not even playing first team football for your club if you're not a special talent. Do you know what I mean? So there's I mean you can't not anyone just gets in the Argentinian squad. Um so he's obviously a talented player. But you can just tell like do you know when you watch someone in, in the under twenty three then you can just tell someone's just got it. Like he just reminds me of a street baller. Do you know when you're just playing with your mates, like a little bit of five oh like on some concrete. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. He just wants to get it and take people on and just twist people up and that he just gets you off your seat he's so exciting and I think there's a case for him to be starting after the World Cup do you know what I mean he's got to be playing now like but again he's not going to the World Cup is he he might have made the squad I haven't seen Argentina's squad but he's been in he's been in the recent squads and stuff he has been making it it wouldn't surprise me if they took him to be fair it wouldn't surprise me at all I know they've got Lechero Martinez he'll probably go Messi will go I'm not sure who else is in their front line but um, yeah, I can see Garnacho probably getting there, getting getting in the squad and being like sort of a last minute sub. Yeah, mm. um, and he's he's got that swagger as well, hasn't he? That confidence, yeah, yeah. that arrogance, and when you seen him come on off the bench, it was almost as if he knew he was going to have an impact on the game. Obviously, yeah. he he's hoped that's going to be something to do with winning the game. But yeah, he, he just had that look in his eye. Ob, how are you, mate? Thanks, Ob. Stank, How's it going? You're right, guys. Joining. Yeah, good, mate. You? Yeah, good. Thank you. Really good. I thought really you good. might have cancelled after that 93rd minute sucker punch. <laughs> oh, it was a brilliant goal, wasn't it? I mean, he really deserved it. The lad just kept going. I mean, he he took a chance on the run, um, used his pace, backed himself, and just got in. And I thought the keeper should have done a bit better, but fair yeah. play to the boy for getting there, hundred percent. Do you know what it reminded me of? Can you remember when we were going for the league and you were second on our coattails and we played Fulham away? I think it was you second in the league. And we and it was one each and we had to win to stay ahead of. It was either you or... It may have been Chelsea. You or Chelsea, I can't remember now. But Ronaldo scored with like three minutes left, a deflected goal away at Craven Cottage in the bottom corner. And it was, it was a similar type of goal... Um, as that goal so yeah like I said it was. I'm delighted mate I really am delighted it was a big relief we had chances but I'm just happy to get the three points going into the World Cup on the back of a win and the United fan base seemed very positive Sam, yeah you it? needed it didn't you um, but yeah, the only sucker punch I can remember was Federico Makeda against Aston Villa and yeah. that was 08-09 that was Liverpool so I don't know if this Fulham one You'll have to you'll have to Google the goal. You'll have to Google the goal. Fulham away. Ronaldo scored. I can remember. He was only young and he he had his white boots on and he scored it deflected into the bottom corner. I forgot who was in goal now, but the United bench went mad that day. Gary Neville was a sub and he was just getting a little bit old at that time. But yeah, it was a similar type of goal to that. So yeah, big relief, but positive as well. Like the fans will will be buzzing. My Twitter's just blown up. So yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think I think he's got away with one a little bit from what I yes, saw. OB, yes, the game. Um, I thought Dan James was causing you all sorts of problems. Yeah, Martinez um, on toast. Did you see that in the 88th minute? Yeah, I, know, I was writing my script for this live stream to. <laughs> what did I tell you though? When Varane don't play, we struggle with pace. 
massively. Do you know what I mean? We struggle with pace massively. Yeah. Like our back four drops another 10, 12 yards because we just can't cope with it. Like Molassi is fairly quick, but I don't think Shaw's like blisteringly quick. He was before he got injured, before he broke his leg, but he hasn't got that kind of pace anymore. I don't think Dallow Dalo's fairly quick, but he's not lightning. So Varane's the only one really in our back line who can really shift over 10, 15, 20 yards and you're not going to outstrip it. Everybody else, you can fancy it. But it's not, it doesn't surprise me that Dan James caused people problems because he is lightning quick and he can do that against most players. So yeah, it, it did test us, but I know what OB is saying, but at the same time, you go to any away ground in the Premier League it's never going to be easy. Do you know what I mean? Is, you're never going to go through an away day really comfortable without the opposition having having sections of the game where they're, where they're on top. So like I said, anyhow today that we got the three points was going to be a big relief because at, some, at one point, I, I just thought we'd thrown two points away, to be fair. I just didn't think the winner was going to come. I, yeah, think, I, I think as well, I think as well with the, with the World Cup now upon us, it's just, it doesn't matter how you get the result. It really doesn't. I mean, it's it's almost like a boost to the club to just get the result um, and then just move on. Because in a month's time, the game, basically the league's going to start again and it's yeah. going to be a complete, here we go again. These are the cards you've been dealt from the World Cup, whether it be players injured, players taking extended time off because they've won the bloody thing. Um, you, you just don't know which way it's going to go, you know what I mean? And it's going to be... It's going to really impact the Christmas schedule as well. So it's going to be a case of win the games up to there. I mean, United have done the business today, ultimately. I mean, whether they were a bit fortunate or not, doesn't really matter. It's just you win your game, you take the chances, you find your depth from somewhere, you find a moment in within your squad, move on. So they were play. fortunate, OB. They were fortunate. United yeah, but, are going to have that game a lot. I'm telling you, that away game today, that script, United are going to have that a lot and we're not always going to end up winning the game but because of our lack of goals we will always have that do you know what I mean another game where a striker or a centre forward is not scored do you know what I mean it's like Ronaldo is literally the only striker we've got at the club so it's like Ten Hag is really bleeding this front line as much as he can to get what we can out of it but everyone's got to chip in like I said Ericsson's chipped in now he's got a goal and that's his first league goal for us. Garnacho's first league goal for us. And after Christmas, Anthony had hit the ground running in terms of goals. I think he got like three and four or something like that. So we need him and we need we need Rashford's goals um, to continue because, like I said, the goals aren't really going to come from any other areas um, apart from those boys. So they've got to step up until the summer because we're going to have to go big on, on a couple of strikers. So watching the game... Not including McTominay, who was your best player? Who was your man of the match? Um, it's a tough one, really. I'd probably say I thought Luke Shaw had a decent game. I thought he was quite good, um, especially offensively. I thought he did well. Um, there was a couple in the first half. I thought Martial really linked up the play well, and and we should have been out of sight. Like the chances that he was creating, everything, everything that was good for United, sort of came through him. Um, so I'd say probably one of those two. But it was a real... It, we had to grind, like, in the second half. Like, it was a poor second half, I must say. Like, we weren't the best, and the game went a little bit flat for us. 
But Garnacho really gave us that spark. So I'd say probably Luke between Luke Shaw, Martial in the first half, and then Garnacho in the second half. I didn't think there was anyone else that really stood out for us. Is it worrying that McTominay is your best CM when you've just spent seventy million on Casemiro, um, and then Obi will head on to you after? Obviously, Liverpool have come in for a lot of criticism in the middle of the park because Henderson and Thiago are early thirties and burnt out and Man United are trying to build their comeback on Ericsson and Casemiro who are early 30s Casemiro the truth is somewhere in the middle I'm sure he'll be like Fernandinho for us mate honestly he can play till he's like 34 35 that's me being genuine he might not play every game in his latter years but you can see especially in the first half what he sort of brings to United I know Neville mentioned it but he just brings that ability to just like detect and snuff out danger, similar to what Fabinho does for you when he's on song. And I think since he's come into the side, he has made a real difference. Um, but again, when you've not got a forward line that can capitalise on the fact that he can split a defence with his pass and get the forward line going, we just haven't got the goals in our team to really capitalise on it. I think it's going to still take another 18 months to see the best of Manu, um, but he will certainly be part of that foundation. I feel Casemiro um, will be thirty three, thirty four by then. Yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for this eighteen months for about ten years. <laughs> well, when's it actually going to happen? What I would say is it looks like you're moving in the right direction. It's too early to say the 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 back are going to be in, nah, in, in they're, they're going to be in the mix for the title anytime soon. But it looks like your manager has now got a system he wants to play and you're seeing a more consistent approach to the games. You're seeing teams that look like they know what system they're playing. They yeah. know what they're trying to achieve, which is something that, unfortunately, under, under previous managers, you look like you're a bit flip-flopping between different types, different styles and, and yeah. changing, the, changing the players and a formation at, at will. And it just... It looks like he's got a base, and I think that's what I'm getting at. And then move from there, it depends on where we're going to get to. But uh, I think United realistically are moving in the right direction. I just don't know where they're going to go longer term. It's fickle, isn't it? Obviously, from opposition fans, when I'm watching you labour to a one each and holding on for the point, I'm queuing up thinking Casemiro's early 30s, Ericsson's early 30s, Martinez has just been roasted on toast. You've already got one slow centre-back in Maguire. The next minute, there's a 93rd minute winner, and it's just the fickle <laughs> football fan is shot. That must, that must have just hurt. Oh, it killed me. It killed me. <laughs> Hayley, uh, the missus was on the phone on the couch, and I was just, it went in. I was off. Oh, <laughs> Disappeared in here to get the live stream ready, and I was Fergie like, time as well. Rolled back the years, mate. Fergie time at his best. It was beautiful just watching it trickling out. He just limbed everything. It's, it's, no, it's no coincidence that teams with a lot of players with natural ability are going to find a moment to do that, particularly later on in the game when players are tired. It mm. does happen. That run was so pacey. You had so much about him. He just knew he was going to get there. And it's that individual talent that you buy, you purchase for moments like that. So when people talk about, oh, you got away one, you got a last minute one, I never really buy into it because ultimately that's that's about the squad you've got and the players you've got and you keep going. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. The best, the best teams have always scored late goals. And yeah. that's no coincidence. The yeah. thing is, 
obviously heading into the World Cup, which is uh, Obi's favourite statement. You cannot underestimate the feel-good feeling that will have for Man United grabbing the three points, heading into the World Cup. Because it'll be a long six weeks, won't it, Obi? If you if you didn't pick up the win on this last game, there'd be a bit of a cloud over over the club. And Man United, obviously, like you say, Twitter, your Twitter's blowing up. Man United are going to be absolutely buzzing with that. And it, it even changes the look of the uh, the top six, Obi. I was just looking at it now. We were like felt dead close. Now we're, we're four points off fifth. And seven points off fourth. However, half the teams have played fifteen games, which that feels a little bit unfair. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a strange one. Um, you, you, what you've got to remember is this is this isn't even we're not even close to being halfway through the season. So it's a case of there's a whole load of reverse fixtures. There's a whole load of remaining fixtures to play, and then there's a whole load of reverse fixtures. Um, that's going to really tell. And it's your big away games are going to be the ones that are really the telling ones. And they're the ones on average you don't get as much from. Um, I mean, Liverpool have had a poor start to the season. I don't think anybody deny that. They're a bit inconsistent. Um, are we where we want to be? Absolutely not. Are we a million miles away from going, oh, we're not going to get in the top four? Like a lot of people were talking about a few weeks ago. I still think we'll get top four as we stand. I think there's too many games to go. I think the strength of our squad, the players that we've got available, a January transfer window, I think we will still be in the top four. I think United will be in there as well. I do. Go on then. Keep going over Give us your top four then. I think it's going to be City top, second, United third, Liverpool fourth. There you go. If you said to me now... The league table can finish like that. Would you take it? I would one hundred percent snap your hand off for that. I, I think everybody, everybody, everybody on this this um, this uh, <laughs> podcast would take it right now. <laughs> I think everybody, everybody. The thought, you know what? the thought Chelsea, of not being Champions League Chelsea, next season oh, fills me with dread. Yeah, huh? absolutely. The thought of not being top four fills me with dread. Being in that Europa League, like mm. it just it cannot happen. It really is as simple as that. Yeah. That's what makes today's win even more significant with the results yesterday. Like you said, Liverpool have won a couple on the spin now. Spurs ended up coming back to beat Leeds. City dropped. Arsenal won again. I think only City and Chelsea dropped. Everybody else, Newcastle. I just can't even run out of superlatives for them. They are absolutely on flames, Newcastle. They're unbelievable to watch as well. Keeping clean sheets. Scoring plenty of goals, not even got Isak in the side yet. Do you know what I mean? There's more to come from them as well. And you've got to credit Eddie Howe because at some point he's going to come under real pressure because they're going to get linked with top European managers who have proven and done it on the big stage with a load of cash. And is he going to be the man that's going to take Newcastle to where they want to be per se in, in in three, five years time, which is competing for the highest trophies. And that remains to be seen. But at the moment, he's, he's not, he's doing himself every single favour that he could potentially ask of himself. He's doing so well managing that squad. And I think everybody wants to see Newcastle back up there challenging again, because it, may, it makes for a healthy league. You probably don't because of the spending power. <laughs> but it's I think it's it's refreshing to see a new face up there. Just looking in the comments, Luca AFC, big up. Hello, mate. You okay? You must be delighted with Arsenal's win yesterday. What are they clear at the top now? Five points I've clear. Five Jesus. Um, mm. 
yeah, five points clear. Fair play. So Chelsea obviously are stumbling now. Do you think their top four chances are, are gone under Potter? Is it all gone wrong for Potter? Has this been a bad appointment? Obviously, this is good for Liverpool, Man U, when we're talking top four, but I'm just looking now, they're in eighth. What do you think? I, well, per- personally, I mean, I think I think I don't think he'll survive. I think he'll be under pressure really, really quickly. Really, um, the only thing that saved him, I think, is the World Cup. Um, because if he'd have gone for another two, three games, I think they'd have gone. Look, this isn't working out for any of us. Let's cut our losses oh, and go somewhere well, else. I really, yeah, yeah, I really do think that. I think they want instant success. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction to go. Okay, we're going to bring in Potter because he is the hot English property in the league right now. They've gone, bring him in. Is he an upgrade for Tuchel? Absolutely not. It was a mental decision. I don't know what what part of that decision they thought was was okay. And I agree. um, And and what all that Potter's done since he went to Chelsea, he's went to Chelsea. He's got a glow up. It looks it looks it looks a bit better, and he's just started losing football games, and it's like. It's absolutely bonkers. It looks like yeah. they're just cruising to mid-table. And they do that every so often, Chelsea, as well, don't they? They just suddenly have a season where they end up like mid-table. And yeah. it, that's what just happens. And they just rotate the managers again. Yeah, I mean, it's been odd. Yeah, the squad. I think it flatters to deceive. Like, I've been having these debates in the summer with people about Chelsea's squad and stuff. And... I know a couple of my other friends thought that Chelsea have got a really strong squad and Tuchel was underachieving. I didn't necessarily see it that way. Obviously, there's no right or wrong. It's an opinion. But I think in in critical areas, it's either ageing or there's no one there. Like, they've needed a striker exactly the same as us. I know they've got that bro who was on loan at Southampton last year, but he's really young. They've had Lukaku, Werner, they're trying Havertz now. You're talking two hundred million pounds worth of player. That's just not worth. Where's Aubameyang? Is he injured? He got benched. Like he wasn't playing well. He's not turned up again. Like he he, no. he had a run of games where he was really poor. He got left out. Kante's injured. The midfield looks like you've got like Jorginho and Kovacic. There's not really much creativity in there. You've got Loftus Cheek playing wing back. Then me, suddenly they, they've yeah. got like Conor Gallagher in there. Yeah, although he'd done really, really well when he's got into the England squad, and that's one of the ones. Actually, looking back on it, I was a little bit surprised that he was he was in there and around there because although he had a good season at Palace last year, it's I think sometimes it's a, it's easy to star in a team that the expectations are mid table, and I think what's happened with Conor Gallagher is he's gone to Chelsea. He looks okay. He's a good player. He's got a bit about him, but. Uh, it's a different game when you've got the ball for 60% of the, of the time and you're expected to win and you're expected to play the right pass every single time and you're expected to move. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it just looks like the pressure on the Chelsea players is huge. Havertz is not a centre-forward and will never be a centre-forward. And moving him into that position is just ruining a great talent. It really annoys me. I think I touched on it in a previous one where yeah, yeah. I don't understand how we can how we can think that that's okay because Havertz needs a free role and if that isn't at Chelsea, Chelsea's at the club for him. Don't let it annoy you, Obi. Enjoy it going <laughs> wrong. It's good for I, us. I, I do enjoy it but from a football perspective, Scott, yeah. you see these players around and you go, 
you could use him so much better and we could get to see the best of him because we all love great football, don't we, ultimately? Although we're fans and we get a little bit like um, annoyed if other teams are doing particularly well. Well, ultimately, it's good to see good good players yeah. and, and players playing well. And um, Of course, we're, 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 we're all Miguel Almiron fans, aren't we? Oh, like to see good footballers. <laughs> what do you two think of Chelsea, like identity-wise? Like, do you think they'd be best off playing a three or a four? Well, this because is the thing. This is what I'm just about. Yeah, I was just about to ask you both. Uh, I'm not. Well, I don't know. He might have. Has, has Potter lost the dressing room already? Because he keeps flip-flapping between a back three, a back four, a back five, different formations, different players, as you just said, in different positions. Yeah. Can you literally lose respect to the dressing room that quick and be like, boss, what did, is our Did he have it, though? What are we doing? It's, it's not that he's lost it. Did he ever get it? Yeah. Hmm. So were they all two cool players? So, Trav, um, you talked about um, Albanian coming in. Basically... He was an ex-Tuchel player. And players like that are going to look at this guy and go, I don't know you. I know yeah. you've done a decent job at Brighton. Um, and I, I have got nothing to identify with you. You're not the reason I come to the club. Because I'm pretty sure Aubameyang comes to that club because of Tuchel. So yeah. immediately you've lost one. Havertz, will he have had a good relationship with Tuchel? Absolutely. Because he, you know what I mean? He would have developed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he going to be the same player? Absolutely not. And some of the English sides as well look as if they had a real rapport with Tuchel over a period of time. Tuchel won a lot of, of well, he, he won the won the European Cup, didn't he? So mm. ultimately, he won it with that group. That that will bind them. And then for him to be unceremoniously dumped, and then Potter come in, it, it, it smells a bit of the you know the Brian Clough thing at Leeds when Don Rivy's team were pushed out right the way back. It just has a sense of that. And then we're not talking about characters that are strong, but ultimately, I don't think players are going to warm to to, 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 to Potter, especially if they've already got allegiances to Tuchel. Trav's a bit young for Don Revy and Leeds. I can see his yeah. face go blank. <laughs> Mate, I don't, listen, I think Chelsea haven't got enough negative press over their transfer windows of recent like of late because like if that that was United or Liverpool mate they'd be getting absolutely cooked and crucified for it like Ziyech from Ajax like wh- where's he do you know what I mean Pulisic is he still there is Ziyech still there yeah he, he left on loan yeah. still there no he's still there still there mate you've got Pulisic he was another one who signed because of the the Dortmund link to Tuchel when he was there um again they've had quite Tough injuries like the Fafana one from Leicester, where I do actually rate. Reese James just means if he's injured, Aspilicueta has to play wing back. He can't run. He's like 40 nearly or whatever he is. Do you know what I mean? I just think, I just think like the need to just settle on a system. Like for me, I would go two holding midfielders and either Gallagher or Mount in the, in the hole off of Bamiyang and go two wingers and just try and start exciting the fans again because. If they're going to play wing-backs and they've got injuries, and like I said, Aspilicueta, and then you've got Cucurella, who did play wing-back at Brighton and did very well, I just yeah, think yeah. the whole thing just looks imbalanced. Like, if you're going to play wing-backs, you need two really, really disciplined, good midfielders who can win the ball back. Because when your wing-backs go, there's going to be space in wide areas. Those central midfielders need to be able to cover a lot of ground. Now, you've got Jorginho in there, He's not got the biggest engine and he's getting older. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's why they miss Kante so much. And they were linked with De Jong in the summer. 
and they didn't get that business. And I think ultimately they're paying the price for a really, really lopsided squad now. Yeah, and like you say, just to defend Potter a bit, he, he is obviously missing uh, Reese James and Ben Chilwell. So he hasn't got his two first choice wing backs or full backs, whatever formation he's playing. But then, yeah, when you talk about the squad they've got, you, you forget like the likes of Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling. Yeah. You add them into Kai Havertz, Obama Yang, Pulisic, Ziyech. Like they've got household names, and yeah. that he's just struggling to to gel them all together. Still, the playing wing backs with that amount of attacking talent. Yeah, it's like the England thing, isn't it? Like when when you see um, Southgate playing like the two holding midfielders or wing backs, and you've got all this attacking talent, it's just it's too negative. Um, so I think Potter's got to change it, but fast because, like you said. He, he could be vulnerable. His job could be very vulnerable. He needs to get another glow up. I watched match of the day this morning, and he's looking a bit like Freddie Boswell again. <laughs> that is it. Is he gone? Was it a short term glow up? Was it? I think he just yeah. needs another another trim down the Turkish barbers. <laughs> See, I was I was thinking to myself. I thought he looked. I thought he's he's, he's looking all right. I might I might have right. see. Yeah, look look and see what he's done, and then just copy it. But there you go. I might not bother now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. OB, OB, Liverpool yesterday. Um, I've got a big, big claim here. Travel ridicule me. OB might agree with me. I don't know if I want to hear this. Darwin Nunes is better than Erling Haaland. And I would not swap Nunes for Haaland. Serious. Can we end the stream? Wow. <laughs> Wow, I... How have you come to this conclusion? Nunes can do things that Haaland can't. Nunes can do things that Haaland can't. He can can play different positions. He can come in off the wing, through the centre. He makes things... Basically, my assessment is he makes things happen for himself more than Haaland does. If Kevin De Bruyne is not putting it on a plate for Haaland, 50% of Haaland is ineffective. Right. I, I am going to separate this out a little bit and temper it a little bit. I yeah, think Yeah, he's got potential to be a very class versatile attacker because he's got pace, he's got height, and like you say, he eases into other positions quite easily and, and everything else. At this point in time, he's not Haaland. Um, Haaland is a predator in front of goal. Um, and that's what City have paid for, and that's what City needed. Although what I would say is Haaland seems to have eased off now, and teams have got maybe wise to him, and he's had that initial impact. I think Nunes could go on to be more of a handful, and he's difficult to deal with because he's got that ridiculous pace for someone who's so naturally big. That's a real worry for defenders because you, you normally have certain types of players, don't you, and you know what they want to do. I don't think a lot of the time Nunes wants, knows what he wants to do. It's so instinctive in what he does that it makes it almost impossible for a defender to deal with him. And I think that's what we saw yesterday. We saw an absolute mixed bag again of brilliant with the odd bizarre touch, but a lot of classy movement. And I think that's what, what he's got. He's got the movement and he's got the pace and he's got the ability to cause Defenders a lot of nightmares. Whether he will he, he ever be prol- as prolific as Haaland, I don't think he will. But let's let's go on that journey, Scott. So yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but I think we just need to temper it a little bit. 
You I know, think I, you know like I've got a tendency to get carried away, OB, and even no, travel. I, I have it no way. I've never done that. OB just rained Scotty in it. All right, j- nice. just quickly before Trav comments, OB, would you swap him for Haaland? Wow. So, what, as in, like, right now? Right now. I would swap him. Oh, come on, Scott. If I, if anyone I wanted, if I wanted an in- for anyone. Yeah, if I wanted an in- world football, wouldn't he? impact yes I think in two years time it could be an interesting conversation and I think that's where if Klopp gets into Hull, uh, into um, Nunes enough and gets him to develop in a way I think he can get him to develop I think we could be having a real serious conversation about who's a better player and I think there'll be a lot of people thinking the other way to what they think currently so Obi's not completely laughed it or knocked it out of the park which I like Trav <clears throat> Go. Tear it apart. They're very, very different. Like, what you're saying in terms of attributes, like, Nunes has the potential to offer more in terms of his whole complete all-round game. That's what I think you mean. But in terms of, like, like Obi's just said, like, predatory instinct and that reliable goal scorer. Like, when you look at Haaland's game, it's very simple. Play on the shoulder, slide me and I'll finish. Do you know what I mean? But he does that immaculately in terms of his movement, his timing, the timing of the runs. Looking like he's not really interested in the game and the next minute, bang. Do you know what I mean? That sort of, you can't switch off around him. That's why he's so lethal. And he does it from all different angles. He scores different types of goals as well. With Nunes, he's a lot busier so he'll run the channels more he'll drift wide he's more exciting to watch in that way he's more unpredictable and I think from Liverpool fans perspective it is quite exciting because if he does become the polished player that he could be he will be top draw do you know what I mean so like with his touches and stuff if it sticks and he's more reliable in that sense I think in a couple of years he has the potential to be absolutely fantastic I must admit that and he's got a lot of stick um but yeah I think it's a little bit too early to say that he's better than Haaland just now will he be better than Haaland ever I don't know probably not because Haaland you gotta you gotta put it into perspective as well Haaland is like a freak do you know what I mean he's like more or less Mbappe level like you don't really get many people ha- at his age that sort of level but I do think Nunes has the potential to be a good a very very top player I do so, yeah. to to that end Obi I'm just glad we're having this conversation because I, I I don't think we'd have been having this conversation maybe six to eight weeks ago mm. Scott I, I told you from the start I rated him I really did and I said look give the lad a chance give him a bit of an opportunity I think we saw enough when he when he was at Benfica to know that he was a top player. I think what we've seen so far is 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 a guy who's he's scoring a, a fair whack of goals. Um, is he scoring every game? No, not many players do. But interestingly, I saw a fact that said in his last forty eight league games or something, he scored is it forty seven goals or something, Scott? Mm. It's a ridiculous amount. So he is almost on one in two. But obviously, a lot of them were in the Portuguese league, so we've got to temper that a little bit. But um, I, I, I think he's a, I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's refreshing. I also think he's going to get sent off a lot of them being totally candid. I think he's going to do daft things. I think he's going to be the centre of controversy of a lot of the time. I love that. I love I love someone who's going to be a little bit mad. 
little bit nutty. A little bit crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love that. And I, I love that, that thought process of I can go and try and do anything because I believe I can do it. Um, whereas Harland is very much, he's, he's, he's like a robot. And I think you referred to him as, 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 as Robocop, Scott. And he's very much, he does, he does the same thing. He goes into the same position. He's so big and physically strong, it's difficult for defenders even to stop him, even, even at that point, because he's six foot five and he's got pace and he's got great movement and he'll just sit on the edge and he's got great service from De Bruyne and Gundogan and all of these boys, Foden, who are providing him with these lovely little passes. I don't, I don't think he scored a brilliant goal yet, though. And that shows that the rest of the City team are ticking quite well up until, of course, yesterday. But they, it shows that they are providing the right type of surface into him. And I think that, that that speaks volumes for them as well as him. I was dead impressed by the way Brentford dealt with Haaland yesterday. They literally had three men kind of zonal marking always around him. And it, it, he, he barely got a sniff which will give some hope to the rest of the teams on how to set up and how to deal with him. Um, but it's yeah. teasing the taste buds, that one, ain't it? The Nunes flipping Man U Liverpool at Anfield, Nunes-Martinez, that's going to be some battle, ain't it? The little South American battle, that's going to be quality. Like you said, yeah, he's been mad, mad happening in, in that game. Like, blood and thunder, everybody really riled up. So I'm even looking forward to that game. Now, when is that fixture? Is it March? It's March. It's normally March, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's normally March. I think, um, um, I think, I think as well with uh, with uh, the, the the whole thing around Man City is, I think, I think they're not they're not quite where they were last season. If I'm being totally candid, and I think that they are providing a lot more balls into Haaland, but they're not playing the same type of football. They're almost looking for Haaland as opposed to other players, and it's. It, I don't. I think it's at the detriment of the team a little bit. So they've almost bought into the Haaland hype and now they're just looking for him even if there's better options open at other points in the game. So that that's interesting to see how uh, Pep makes sure that he's still servicing his, 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 his main man um, and also then tempers that with, but the decision needs to be yours and you need to put doubt into the defender's mind and you need to play different balls at certain points and it's not all about Haaland. And it would be interesting to see as well how Haaland then reacts to that. I, I've got to admit, I'm a little bit worried. I said it in the last stream or two streams ago. If De Bruyne and Haaland get injured, I can honestly see Arsenal winning the league if they miss four, five, six games. Easily. Easily. Like, I know I know people don't want to believe it about Arsenal, but literally, I just... There's no sign of them letting up. Do you know what I mean? He, like you said, Hazes isn't scoring goals. And this, they're probably the team that's just winning games comfortably. They've had a couple of scary games away at Leeds where they probably should have dropped points. They dropped points at Southampton. And they've had a couple of close games like at home to Fulham and stuff. They beat you by a goal. But they keep getting over the line. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and it's, do you know when the fixtures come out at the weekend? There's not many teams in the league where you think that's a definite win. But for some reason, with Arsenal, with most of their fixtures, I just think that they're going to win this game. I've said that more often than not with yeah. us. And that's quite worrying for the rest I'm, of the I'm, team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, that, point, that point difference they've got ahead of City and I'm going to ruin it by saying I could see two games where that doesn't matter anymore. And I'm going to say Liverpool away and City away, Arsenal will lose both them games before the end of the season. Yeah, I just don't think they'll cope. And then immediately, 
And in somewhere in Arteta's mind, you'll be thinking, if I could get something out of one of them games, even if it's a point, that gives me something. The pressure's on Arsenal. Don't don't let the league table fool you. They've still got a lot of big away games and they've got to go to a lot of places. And although they will play some good football, they need to go away and get something. I thought they'd done brilliantly against Chelsea away. I thought they, they were fantastic. I thought they played well against Man United away. Um when these boys are in the business end of the season and the big boys, and we're talking Liverpool and City and even even like like to Newcastle, they're going to be difficult places for Arsenal to go and manage through games. And that's, mm. that's going to be absolutely key. And if they lose two or three games in the trot and then go away and aren't organised at another game, that league's gone. It's gone. And I, I, I can't see City not winning the league still. Promise the me. Gap. Promise me Arsenal are going to fall away, OB. Promise me. I, 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 promise, I, I promise you, I promise you, I'll give you it. I'll give you it for free. Arsenal will fall away. They might they might sneak second, like I said before, just simply because of the point difference um, between them and Man United and Liverpool. But I, I can't see Arsenal winning the league. I cannot. And I think there'll be a run of games where they'll start losing. It's A lot of them players are the same players who fell apart last season. And I don't understand what's changed. Thank you. I think I think they That's are a little right. bit different from Arsenal. I do. I, like I said, they might not win the league. They might not. Um, but I do think there is a little bit more of a steel and a, a bit more of a resilience to them. I think Saliba coming into that back line has been huge for them. Um, I think the performances of everybody around them when Saliba plays, everybody just looks so calm and composed when he plays. I think with Ben White, They've sort of stumbled across the Ben White thing at right back. Do you know what I mean? Tommy Asu was injured at the start of the season. Cedric wasn't good enough. And they just thought, all right, Saliba's back. How can I integrate Ben White as a big signing? Because Saliba had to play and Gabriel was sort of playing well with Saliba. So they just said, right, well, let's put Ben White at right back and see how he does. And, and he surprised everyone, I think, that he's done so well at right back. So they've stumbled across that one. But I just think with that unit, Ramsdale, excellent goalkeeper with his distribution, Thomas Partey's so key. And like you said, injuries are going to be key for them. If Thomas Partey gets injured for uh, for a number of games, they could become unstuck in a few games because I think he's so important to the way they play and he allows everybody else to express themselves. So, yeah, I think Obi's right in the fact that over the years, they've come up short at key moments. But I don't think there's been anything to suggest so far this season that they couldn't go to Anfield and, and not lose that game. I don't think that's a, a, a shoo-in. Like Man City, if they turn up at home, they can batter anyone at home. And the same with you when you're when you're on top form, to be fair. But I don't think it's I don't think personally it's guaranteed that Arsenal go to Anfield and definitely not win that game. I think it depends, like you said, if they play like they did against Chelsea, there'll be a match for you. Definitely. I think that I'm looking forward to that game. I think that'll be a really, really interesting game. And it depends what sort of form you're in as well. Because if you play like you did against Tottenham and the likes of Man City at home, you can batter anyone on your day as well. So I just think it's all up in the air. It's all open. I think they're performing well to be five points clear at this stage of the season. But like you said, it's not halfway through the season yet. So we'll see. I think there's three things that are certain in life. Death, taxes, and Arsenal falling away at the end of the season. So. <laughs> and you can quote me on that. Do you know wow. what? Do you know what? We're, we're making too much material that's going to end up jinxing it 
and Arsenal are going to win the league. I think we've just got to we just got to stop saying things because it's jinxing it. It's evidence that's been recorded that's going to come back and bite us. Um, no, but I'm with Trav. When I look at the fixtures, and you know when you're doing last man standing or trying to put on a footy coupon, I agree. Arsenal are the banker. Every t- every week I look at, I think they'll they'll win that. And I don't say that about City. I think oh that they could drop there. They could drop there. I mean, what does that tell you for the what what you're thinking of Arsenal is that yeah they are the team, and they're rightfully at the top of the league by five points. Yeah, they are rightfully there. Absolutely, there's no um, argument with that. But yeah, on to the Liverpool ball. Ob, uh, did you watch? You didn't watch it, did you, Trav? Did you see match of the day? No, Liverpool I've seen Southampton. Match of the day. I've just seen the yeah, I've watched. Um, I watched like extended highlights today. I thought, I, I thought Liverpool were good again. They did what they had to do. Very much the same as Man United. Won the football game. And it was always about winning the football game. We could have easily lost it though. Yeah. Alisson made yeah, a hat-trick of saves in that second half that were like world-class saves. And when I watched he it did, back but... on Match of the Day, I thought, Jesus Christ, I don't want to say this to Trav, but we were lucky. I don't know if we're lucky or whether we've just got a brilliant goalkeeper and mm. that's part of your team. You know what I mean? Ultimately, he has always been up there with, when we talk about our greatest assets, it's normally Alisson, Van Dijk, Salah, isn't it? And they're, they're the ones that have been the, the constants over the past sort of five years. And they're the ones that you think they are the main Liverpool players. Um, obviously, there's other players who play major parts, but they're the three that we kind of always looked at from a signing perspective that changed the club. Um Allison is the best goalkeeper in the world, and there's no doubt in my mind about that. And I'm talking about all round the best goalkeeper. I think he's got the best distribution. He's the the best shot stopper. He reads the game so well, and I think he gets the tempo right in the game, and he controls the pace of the game from his passing, his movement. He's always available. Um, just absolutely fantastic. And I think he's a massive asset to Brazil going into the World Cup as well. And ultimately, we we pay for that. We invested in that and for Allison. And I know he's got no right to make them saves, but when he does, it doesn't even surprise me anymore, Scott. Because mm-hmm. it's like our team almost know that they've got that behind them. And that that's created confidence over time. But even when we've been not doing so well, as, as in this season, he's been making them saves. And there's quite a few games where he's been man of a match. Yeah, if he keeps this up, he could be our player of the season. Really good. Uh, just jumping in the comments, Coach's Corner, Hanno. Yes, lads, how you doing, mate? You've missed us slagging off uh, Chelsea and Potter. Just saying that he, he could even be at risk of losing his job this early in the season, uh, this early in his Chelsea career. Um, and Obi said that the World Cup might have saved him. If he had another couple of losses in the next couple of games, he could be at, at risk. Do you agree with that? Let us know in the comments. Um, I also also said I was jealous of his glow up, so there you go. Let's get a balance there. <laughs> Obi is going to the Turkish barbers straight after this live stream. So. <laughs> um, I've been keeping that. Send me away, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, Fabinho, Obi. I keep saying it to myself for a couple of games now. He's slowly playing his way back into form. I thought he was brilliant yesterday, and it's such a, a relief that he's not this washed up, written off twenty nine year old. You think he was carrying an injury? So that's my latest theory. He's got to have been because a player can't go from being that good to being that bad, and then suddenly recreate form again. I don't. 
he looked slow. He looked tentative. He looked like he wasn't really steady on his feet. He looked off the pace. That All of that signals to he somehow carried on through an injury that they've said, you will run this off in time and he's been managed it through. And I know a lot of these players carry injuries at part, parts of the season and they keep playing and we never hear about it. But I suspect there was something wrong with him because he's... He's a different player the last couple of games, and he yeah. looks like he's back to himself. It looks like he's got more pace about him. It looks like his touch is better. It looks like he's in control of what he's doing. It looks like his head is in a better place as well. And it's, it's got to be, it's got to be an injury, Scott. Well, that's what I was just saying when you talk about his head being in a better place. Don't forget there was them rumours that him and Klopp had fell out, and Klopp yeah. was berating him during the second half of the three-three draw with Brighton. Was it? And yeah. apparently that's not the first time um, that he's been going mad at him on the touchline. You think, you know, that it could literally be as simple as that. If you fell out with a manager, you're not going to be trying as hard. Maybe they've made up. Maybe it's all rosy again, the relationship. He trusts him again. And obviously Klopp, Klopp trusts him as a player. But he, he seems to have turned a corner and I'm just, I'm so glad because... He's so important for the way... Yeah, I was writing him off as I think a few of us were... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was important Liverpool went back to type and went back to that basics, that 4-3-3, and, and knew that was what Klopp had to do to start getting results again. I think a couple of players coming back from injury, like Canate, although he didn't play yesterday, I think Gomez started over him because he'll want, he'll want to manage Canate because he's so important. Um, and with Fabinho coming back to form, it's only going to improve the way that you're going to play because he's so important. You probably have the most offensive fullbacks in the league over the past two years. Do you know what I mean? It's so important to the way Liverpool play the fullback. So he is the person that protects in those fullback areas when they go forward. And he's been so um, pivotal in terms of the license that he gives you. So him coming back to form is massive for Liverpool. Um, I think after the World Cup, you're only going to get stronger, to be fair. I think the win at Tottenham was was a huge result. It really sort of derailed them in terms of their push for second place. Um, them beating Southampton at home, pretty comfortable in the end. Obviously, they would have had chances. But when you're talking about comfortable in this league, I just don't think there is a comfortable game anymore now. Like, even even score, score lines don't really flatter teams anymore. You look at a score line and you think 3-1, that's as comfortable as it's going to be. There isn't any teams in the league that are going to go away from home even and not get any chances on goal. Um, so I think any anyhow you can get the three points at this stage of the season is, is important. It's bizarre though, isn't it? Because this is the same Liverpool team that aren't in form after 15 games. They're not where they should be. They're not, they're not firing on all cylinders. Yet, within that 15 games, they beat Bournemouth 9-0. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like a Premier League equaling record score. And it's like, that's a big, massive win. That's a huge win, you know? And it's like, but it's so weird that then Bournemouth, in the past week, have beat Everton twice, 7-1 in the two games combined. And it, I just don't understand it. I don't understand why there seems to be a lot of inconsistency within even the, the teams in the low end of Premier League. Um, it's bizarre what's happened at, at clubs like West Ham. Um, Palace are on it one day and off it the next. And it's like, it's so strange to watch. Even yeah. Brentford, they've had games where they look well off it and in other games where they've they've beat both the Manchester clubs already this season. Yeah. And, it's like, and then they've lost the Leeds and Villa like 
heavily. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. And it, I think I think a lot of it is the tactics that the the managers have got, and I think that what we'll see at the end of the season is the tacticians probably doing slightly better, because I think there's a lot of really even teams in this league, and mm. there's not an awful lot in it with the players. There's a few star players in each team, and there's a, obviously there's more of them in the the teams that, that spend more money, um, but it, it does feel like there's. There's almost like a, anybody could beat anybody on yeah. any given day. And um, that makes it really exciting. And it does make it good. And it may, it'll make it interesting for the rest of the season um, if it continues the same after the World Cup. What yeah. we're doing now is it's going to change every couple of weeks because I can remember us being on the show a couple of weeks ago and United, Liverpool weren't in, even, in, even in the conversation in terms of top four and it was all doom and gloom. All of a sudden, before the Fulham game, you're a point behind United. Do you know what I mean? It, it just just goes to show how quickly it can change and it's going to change a lot more before now and the end of the season. I think underneath the top two, however they finish, I think it's up for grabs. I really do. I, I don't think Newcastle, as well as they're playing, are even guaranteed a top four place. I think if Chelsea continue the way they are, they're going to struggle more than anybody. But I think between Liverpool, Spurs, Man United... Newcastle, there's two spaces between those four teams that are more than up for grabs and it and it could go to any other two to be fair because Spurs aren't really playing well but they just keep managing to get over the line and get results as well which makes them quite dangerous so like you said it's all going to be interesting to see how things go after the World Cup I don't want to steal OB's catchphrase but the, the World Cup is going to change everything do you think yeah. teams have been playing at a slightly higher tempo and higher p- pace and energy, knowing, right, we're going to put in more than usual because we've got this six-week break and there might only be 20% of their squad are going away to the World Cup, so they're going to get that rest to recharge. Do you think that's had an effect on the league so far after 14, 15 games? Possibly. It depends who you are as well. Um, it's really interesting, like, from, from a Liverpool perspective, for instance, I only think three of our players are, re- are going to start for the, for the countries. And, and they are Allison, um, Nunes, yeah. and Van Dyke. And I don't, th- I don't think any of the rest of them will, will be. They might play bit parts in certain games. Um, and surely that that's going to have a positive impact. And I know the rest of the squad that weren't picked. There's reports that are going off to Dubai, um, and that is literally. And I know I'm, I'm nicking Scott's catchphrase now, but this is reset time. Stop nicking each other's catchphrases, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's literally like reset, pre-season, start again um, with a little bit of uh, an outcome after the World Cup. And it it might be that the clubs are setting it up that way to go, Okay, we know that some players are going to come back. We might even give them extra time afterwards to recover if they've been on the the business end of the World Cup. Um, I don't know, other than Alisson, if any of the other two teams will be on the right and the business end. So that could be that could be an advantage. But there, there is a lot of teams, and particularly like Arsenal and City, where they'll have a lot of players in the back end of the World Cup. And then how do they manage that? How do they manage that when they come back? Especially if they've lost a big semi-final or a final. And it's like, that's tough to take. It's not going to be just a case of, well, OK, now yeah, boys, here we go. Yeah, it, it, back to your yeah, club. I'm, I'm mentally fine. Yeah, here's the Christmas fixtures. You know what I mean? It's going to be yeah. tough for them. 
Do you think it's worse sometimes if the players are playing or aren't playing? I mean, there's, I think there's, there's pros and cons um, to, to both sides of the argument, really. Because, I mean, if you look at, for example, Harry Maguire, everyone's fearing that he's going to be starting for England and he's not had any football. So he's very out of match rhythm. Then you've got the players who are going to travel to the World Cup. You've got the travelling aspects of things. But then you've got the players who are staying with their squads who are on, like, these camps and stuff, but they're not going to be getting any match fitness. So it could be the other way. It could be the players that haven't played much football who are going to come straight back into Premier League football and are expected to hit the ground running. It might have been the ones that have been playing at the World Cup who can continue playing. Because if the World Cup wasn't on, we'd just be having six weeks of Premier League football. So you just expect them and you just rotate the squad as normal. So I'm probably a little bit more dubious about the players who aren't going, who aren't going to get those match rhythms, like your Sancho and the disappointment of missing out on the World Cup and then having to come straight back into the league football. I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how people react. But like you said, you've got the injuries and, and, and the travelling and going to Qatar and adjusting to the time zone and stuff. So it is going to be one big concoction of mess <laughs> that club that teams are going to be walking into. So... Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it at all when, when we come back. We've got Forest on Boxing Day. And I, I bet you that first game back, you're going to see some mad results. Yeah. Wow. I think it'll be um, some, some mad team selections as well. I hope there's none of this. Yeah. He, he, he was late coming back. He's a bit jet-lagged. He's he's not up to speed. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. can't be bothered with all that. You I just want to be we'll straight back into it. Either. I think Varane, if he's fit, the hair's not going... Shaw will play for England and Dallo will probably play for Portugal but, and Casemiro. So you've got them five. But apart from that, I don't think anyone else. Maybe Ericsson, actually. Yeah, Ronaldo. 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 Well, I, I don't class him as United first team player. I should. I should. OB, he was the GOAT only about six weeks ago, and now he's, now he's not even, he's not even in the resis. Can you remember, like, the fanfare when he, when he arrived? He was, it was like the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now it's like, um, oh, he's not a first-team player. What is going on there? I don't know. I might have disrespected the GOAT, but sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. You've got to be ruthless, mate. He's going to the World Cup just to get some minutes. Arsenal, have they got a lot of players who will play? They've got a lot of players going. Um, Partey will start for Ghana and Saliba will probably... I think Saliba start. will, won't he? He's played the last yeah. five France games, I'm sure I've seen. Yeah. So he must be a start. Talk about Ben White, whether he'll play, because you know Maguire's going to play, so it's if he plays right back. But I can see Trippier and Shaw or Walker or something like that probably being ahead of him. Um, Jesus won't play for Brazil, will he? He won't start. Not he won't start, but he'll probably <laughs> come on, won't he? What about um, Saka will play, won't he? Yeah, Saka yeah. will play. Martinelli's travelling, but he probably won't play either. What about Odegaard at Denmark, in it? Yeah, Norwegian. They didn't make it. Oh, he's Norwegian. Norwegian. Yeah, yeah they yeah. didn't make it. No. Um, but, yeah, who plays next to party midfield? Um, they've got that. Xhaka. Xhaka. Yeah, he'll play for the Swiss as well, so... Um, yeah, they've got quite a few players playing. Ramsdale probably won't play, but they'll have a lot involved as well. So, yeah. They, Man City, they'll be flooded with players playing. Like you said, if, you're, if your boys aren't playing much, it might that might be the 
the difference and a bit of an advantage for you going into the back end of the season. It could it could prove quite pivotal for you. That's what I'm banking on, Trav. Yeah, you got so. it. You got it. No, you got it. Like you said, it's not an unrealistic thing. It's not. It's it's very realistic. You might have some fresh boys going in, into that back end of the season, mate. Because like you said, we're gonna have players playing Arsenal. Are Newcastle probably won't have a lot of players playing like Callum Wilson traveling. Um, but yeah, they'll have a lot of players rested as well. So if if you and Newcastle finish the season strongly, it's not going to be a coincidence. You would have nailed it. Um, Trav, you're obviously going to go and have a date night tonight. Be all nice and happy. Your missus is going to be spoiled rotten. I'm a celebrity points. binge watch because I've not been watching it. So I've got to start it from the beginning on iPlayer. Wow. I'm going to rinse about a good six, seven episodes until I drop to sleep. That's my evening, mate. Fair play. Um, right, I don't know when we're going to stream again because it's the World Cup now. Um, I think we probably should get one in before with a little bit of England preview. England yeah. We do you yeah, see about doing a half an hour one about England and their progress and what's yeah. happening and, and how our how our clubs respected players are doing in the World Cup? I'm sure there'll be some bits. And get and get, and get some get some proper predictions in of what we think is actually going to happen. Mm. So we can yeah. get a wall get a wall chart. Style. Should we get a wall chart? Get yeah, we'll get all charts out. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a squad dissection. Have a look at the squad. Both they're all yeah, in Both now. of our boys have got the Panini books as well, so they're sticking away. Have um, they? Yeah, we've got proper old school, right and all. You've got, nice. got to be done, even if it is. How much the is a pack of stickers now, Obi? I don't Nine, know. £19, don't pound, know. isn't it? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, did, I, I bought the I bought the books and then some stickers come with them and then that's it. After that, I'm not buying anymore. They can buy them themselves. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, right, lads? Great Cheers, weekend boy. of ball. Uh, win for Liverpool. Win for Man United. We're all happy. Top four's back on for both clubs. Um, and then we're probably going to push on and win the league. Ob after the World Cup. So watch this space. Enjoy the World Cup. And we'll be back. If you're still watching and you're new to the channel, don't forget to give a like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Lads, we'll work out a stream at some point towards the end of the week, I think. Uh, like yep. I say, a little little pre-World Cup. Crouchy saves the World Cup or something. What was his dead ITV show? Should we do something uh, like that? Yeah, something like that. Let's not, let's not do anything like that. Let's do something good. Yeah, something like <laughs> that. <laughs> right, nice one. Cheers, lads. See you, see you in the group chat.